If you have your Bible, turn me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I was reminded, or I thought about this this morning as we sang uh, number 36 from this hymnal, where it says, When your heart is full of fears, carry on, carry on. Traveling through the valley of tears, carry on. Paul is writing to Timothy, a fellow minister, who is full of fear. He would tell him in the seventh verse of chapter one of this epistle that God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I think if we can understand what Timothy was going through, uh, the society in which he was trying to minister, uh, the opposition that I'm sure he faced, uh, we can understand why he would be fearful. But in chapter two, Paul is going to continue on by giving him the proper mindset that Timothy would need and the proper reason that Timothy should go on to minister to the Lord's people. And this is certainly not uh, something that is just relevant to the ministry then or today. This is relevant to all of us because there's probably none of us today that have tried to follow the Lord for any amount of time that haven't become fearful or scared or uh, step back from our discipleship in uh, some way or another for some reason. And so I think it's good for all of us to remember uh, what Paul is going to tell Timothy to remember today and to understand why we go through what we go through on a daily basis or through our discipleship throughout life. So I want to begin in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and read from verse 1 to verse 10. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must first be partakers of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. As we look at these 10 verses this morning, I ask that you pray for me. Um, I know I've said it before, there's nothing that'll test your faith like a pretty Sunday, <laughs> a long sermon on a pretty Sunday, especially with a holiday week. Uh, but I think this is so relevant to us today as, as Christians in 2022, as it was probably to Timothy at that time. He begins by saying, Therefore, my son, he, he loved Timothy. He called him his beloved son in the second verse of the first chapter. He says, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strengthened or enabled in the grace that you find in Christ. And if, if you're going to live a Christian life, you've got to be strong. It's not for the weak, right? It's, there's going to be things that test your faith. There are going to be things that test your devotion. There are going to be things that, that test your courage as as uh, as Timothy's going through here and so Paul begins this chapter by saying I need you to draw your strength from the grace that Christ gives we have a sympathetic savior 
who is seated on a throne of grace and is ready to give you grace and mercy in your time of need. So maybe it's a time that you've been, um, uh, you know, that you've been fearful. There's a time that you've been doubtful. There's, there's times that you've been uh, scared to publicly follow Jesus or, to, or whatever it may be. There is grace waiting for you, <laughs> the grace that you need to be strong enough to do it. If it's, uh, it's hard to raise children in, in this world in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, but there's the grace you need to do it. It's hard to, be, to publicly stand for the word of God in the workplace or at the ball field or in school or wherever it may be, but there's grace enough to do it found in Jesus Christ. So he says, I want you to be strong, be strengthened or enabled in that grace. Remember from Psalm 46, it said, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He is our source of strength. And so Paul directs Timothy's mind there. Look to God. Look to God. Not to the world, not to your, uh, your efforts, uh, not to, to, to your... He, you know, he had talked about his mother and his grandmother and the faith that they had, but that's not where Timothy was to draw his strength to be a minister, to be a disciple. He was going to draw it from the grace that's in Christ Jesus. He says, in the things, verse 2, that thou hast heard, Amongst uh, there's heard of me amongst many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I love that he says the same things that you've heard among many witnesses. The, the, he's saying not a different thing, but the same thing that you've heard me preach, that you've heard me teach. I want you to take that and I want you to entrust that to other men, faithful men. These are trustworthy men, reliable, proven men. Who shall be able then to go on and explain or direct or instruct others also. And so we see it, it's starting to get a picture of that. Why, why, do, why do we carry on when we're fearful? Why do we carry on when things are hard? Uh, this is something that a lot of us need to understand because life's not all about us, right? We're, we should be investing in the generation after us and the generation. How many of y'all want this church to be here for your kids and your grandkids and their grandkids? Well, I've said this before, a lot of it, yeah, it's, it's, it's the grace of God that will get us there, but a lot of it is determined by the effort that we put in today, right? The effort that we put into this church. And so he's saying, I want you to find strength through the grace of God so that you will be able to entrust other men to teach the gospel that I'm preaching. And in this very verse, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 2, I believe we see the biblical pattern for the continuation of the ministry. It would be that faithful men teach faithful men who go on to teach faithful men. Do y'all see that? It's a continuation, uh, the propagation, if you will, of the ministry. It is a personal and organic thing where men would have mentors and then those men would be mentored and discipled and find other people that they could mentor and disciple. It's an organic, personal thing. It's not a one-size-fits-all, mass-produced uh, like we see today in our society. This was a this was an individual level thing where ministers were to be trained by other ministers to go out and to preach the gospel. And so he says in verse 3, Thou therefore, this is your task, what you're going to do. He's going he's to tell them, this is, this is how you need to think about life. It's not, it's not, it, it, the Christian life is not something, uh, it's, it's, not a, it's not a cruise ship, it's like a battleship, right? He's going to say, you need to be a soldier, you need to be like an athlete, you need to be like a farmer. And so he says, there therefore endure hardness. I want you to suffer or endure 
uh, hardships, troubles. In the, in the ninth verse, we'll see later that he says, Paul himself was suffering. All those that in Asia had forsaken Paul. You can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read all about the things that Paul suffered, yet he kept on and kept on and kept on because he, he, he understood, he had the mindset that we're in a battle in this life. He says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That, that, to be a soldier of Jesus Christ is you're an advocate for the cause of Christ. You're one that is champion championing a cause to the world and he says you need to you need timothy to endure hardness to endure shame to endure maybe public humiliation it may be persecution whatever it is that's going to come in your life you need to endure that with hardness like an excellent soldier and here's here's one way that you're going to be able to do that in verse four he says no man that warreth see this is this is, this is real stuff. When you start talking about what is the Christian life really like, it's, it can be tough. It can be hard. It is not easy to follow Christ. And he says, no man that warreth, that's somebody that fights, entangles himself with the affairs or the matters of this life, of, of this current life. That word entangles means to twist, listen to this, to twist or interweave yourself in such a matter that you are not easily separated. <laughs> How many of y'all can say that sometimes you get caught up in the affairs of this life so much that you become confused and it's not easy to pull away from it or to separate yourself from it? Some of y'all are saying, Brother Josh is saying he struggles with that. It's... Um, it's almost like a train wreck or something. You can't turn away. <laughs> the news, will, and, 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 and we have media that's designed to keep your attention, no doubt. But here Paul is telling his, this, this minister, and he's telling us if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, it's not that you don't know what's going on or you're not engaged in society. I mean, I, I've, I've heard people preach in such a way that, that, that Christian people should be so disengaged from society that they don't know what's going on. They're not... Uh, involved in politics or schools or or whatever it may be but in in my opinion if the christians aren't involved then what is that going to do for a society right <laughs> I, I i am thankful that that i know good godly men who have stepped up to serve and we need to be involved in our children's education and in our society and our community we don't need to we don't need to just step out of the world that's that's not what god has called us to do god's called us to be salt and light in our community right a preserving agent in our community. But we don't need to be so entangled with whatever it is, uh, with status or jobs or toys or, or whatever it may be, that we couldn't leave them all to follow Christ. Do y'all see that? He, so he says, no man that's going to be engaged in this is going to entangle himself in the affairs of this life. And here's the reason, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. You know, the, the ministry and in turn, every disciple that's ever been has been chosen by God, enlisted in his army to champion his cause. And if you want to satisfy the one that's chosen you to do that, then you can't entangle yourself in such a way in this world that you can't let go of the grasp of this world to follow after God. <laughs> I think about the disciples who had to, you know, they had to let down their nets. They had to let down their life to follow him. But boy, wasn't it, don't you believe it was worth it for them? <laughs> and it's worth it for us. And so he uses the example of a soldier. And then he says this, And if any man also strive for masteries, 
That is, someone is, is competing in a game to win something, right? It's the, think about the Olympics. Or we're in Birmingham, the World Games. They're, any of y'all going to the World Games? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> How many of you have heard of the World Games before this year? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> okay. Well, there'll be people in Birmingham in the next month or two that are competing to win. And it says, it says no man that's, now listen to this, striving. So we've got somebody that wars or fights, somebody that strives. These are, you're going to have to exert a lot of effort to really be a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's what we can learn. If, if nothing else, we can learn that from these verses. He says, no man that strives for masteries, or, or if a man also strive for masteries, yet he is not crowned. You're not going to win unless, or except, you strive lawfully under the established rules. So I think he's telling Timothy there's a way here in which, Timothy, you need to go about your business the way that God has told you to do that. Do you see that? We can't expect to live our lives the way we want to live our lives and then expect God to bless us or to crown us with the crown of life if we're just going to do things the way that we want to do them. Um, God has given us a way to live, and if we follow that, then we can expect to be blessed. He told, in Isaiah, he tells the nation of Israel, he says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the lamb, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. That's a, that's, that, I know that was a promise to Israel, but that is, a, that is a, a, a principle that we can relate to our world today. If we, if we are willing and obedient to do what God has said and to live the way God has said to live, then you will experience blessings in this life. I'm not saying your, your bank account's going to be so full that you never have to worry about money or you're going to have the biggest house in the neighborhood or the best cars, but you will be blessed in a way that others are not blessed, with peace that passes understanding, with a, with a family, a church family that will love you through hard things. You're not going to get those type of things if you're, if you're going to rebel and not do what God has said to do. Just doing things God's way it just leads to peace, doesn't it? We were playing Clue a few, we were playing Clue. Y'all know the game Clue, the board game Clue? <laughs> we were playing that about a year ago. And um, I got it real quick. I won. I think I won twice in a row. And nobody had ever figured out that everybody else's card was on the table. I could see their clues. So not only did I have mine, I saw theirs. And I can't help it. If you're going to show it to me, I'm going to use it. <laughs> okay? That's just, I don't care. Um, but I will say it was not as satisfying to win that way. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Paul's saying. If you'll just live life following the rules, you're going to feel a lot better. But you're going to have to strive to do it. And then he says the husbandman. This may be the hardest working of all of them. There's a, is it Paul Harvey that has on the, on the, I think it's on the eighth day, God made the farmer. Y'all need to go Google that. <laughs> we ought to thank God for our farmers, you know. Our food doesn't come from Walmart. <laughs> um, but he says the husbandman, that is the farmer, or the worker of the land that labors. So we've got, we've got a soldier that's warring, that's enduring hardness. We've got, a, uh, we've got a, an Olympian or an athlete who's striving. And now we've got a farmer who is laboring. That is working until you are just wearied and worn out. He says he must first be partakers of the fruits, the product of the field. John Gill, who I love to read, said this, a minister of the gospel must first labor and endure hardness in this life 
before he sits down in the kingdom of heaven and takes his rest and enjoys the crown of glory which fades not away, which the chief shepherd shall give unto him. You know, when you think about the work and the effort that it takes into being a Christian disciple, I think it's important to have that mindset in place that one day this is all going to be over and we're going to enter into eternal bliss and eternal rest. <laughs> and that should give you the, the, the strength, that should give you the mindset that it takes uh, to war or to strive or to labor in the cause of Christ. And so he says in verse 7, consider what I say. I want you to think about or exercise your mind in what I'm telling you, Timothy. Con now consider this, because, you know, it's, uh, this is biblical. Jesus would even say things like this. You've got to count the cost of what you're about to do to see if it's worth entering into, right? <laughs> so if you want to really be a disciple of Jesus, a minister of God, a, um, a leader in your home, and that can be a mother or a father, a leader in your school, a leader on your team, if you want to stand for the cause of Christ, you, want to, you need to consider what Paul's saying here. <laughs> Consider that it's going to take you relying on the grace of God to do it. Consider uh, that others who have done it have suffered for the cause of Christ. Consider that it's going to be, you can't, you can't be so entangled with the world and still be a follower of Jesus. Consider that you've got to play by the rules that he's established. Consider that you've got to work hard and labor until you're weary and toil until you're just worn out. Consider all those things, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. May, may the Lord give you the knowledge that it's going to take. Now, some of you may be saying, I've considered that, and that sounds, I don't know that I have a reason to even continue on. I don't know that I have a reason to try to continue to follow Jesus. Well, I believe in verse 8 is where we're really going to get into the reasons that we're going to follow him. That's the mindset that you've got to have. But listen to verse 8. Remember. He's going to, he's going to say two, two key words here, I think, for us. Remember and endure. Remember from verse 8 and endure in verse 10. He says, if you're, going to, if you're going to live your life in such a way that you are not entangling yourself, that you're warring, that you're striving, that you're laboring, he says, you need to remember. You need to, now, that word remember means to, means to call to mind something you already know. <laughs> a lot of people think, my life would be so much better if I could just grasp there's something out there that I probably don't understand. There's probably some knowledge out there that I, if I could just figure it out, then I'd get it all together. But really and truly, for everybody in this room, the thing that you need to know to motivate you to do what you need to do, to do what you need to do, you already know it. You just need to think about it on a daily basis, right? To call it, to remember it. So he says, I want you to remember. Now, this was a minister of the gospel. We know that Timothy knew this. He says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, from the family of the offspring of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel. <laughs> he says, when you are fearful, when, you, when, when, you're, when you're stepping back from your Christian walk, but you know you need to be stepping into it, maybe, maybe you've just put in the back of your mind, kind of in the corner of your mind where you don't think about it on a daily basis, where you don't meditate on it, you don't, you don't read about it, you don't hear about it, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That changes everything. Does it change it for the disciples? It, literally, the, the greatest event in human history... <laughs> Is, is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That changed the world. 
And if it can change the world, it can change your life, right? It can change your attitude. It can change your mindset. It can change the way you live. He says, Timothy, I want you to remember that Jesus was raised from the dead. And on a daily basis, that's what we need to call to mind. When we wake up, when we get that hard call, when we get the, the tough task that we need to go forward, when, when, when whatever is going on in your life, you need to, it will not hurt you. I don't know what you're going through, but it won't hurt you to think a little bit about Jesus being raised from the dead. <laughs> It's never, it's, it doesn't get me in a bad mood to think about that. <laughs> There's a lot of things that could get me upset, but that's not one of them. <laughs> Remembering that Jesus rose from the dead. Listen, there's two, there's two things I want you to understand about Jesus being raised from the dead. The, the first one being that if you will remember that, that your Savior, your Savior and your advocate, see, we all know we need a Savior. We understand that. We all know we need somebody fighting for us. You, this world's tough on your own, isn't it? <laughs> if your Savior and your advocate was dead and buried somewhere, what good would that really do for you? None, right? And sometimes we live as if it's all on, it's all on us, don't we? We kind of... Um, we, we, we live... We, we claim the name of Christ but we live as if he doesn't exist and it's all on us. Is that true for some of y'all? <laughs> some, some of y'all are saying yes. But that's not the case. Our God is alive. <laughs> Don't y'all love when John was on that Isle of Patmos? He must have been lonely. He was, he, was, he was being persecuted. If there was ever a man that needed to be strengthened in the grace of Christ, that was the man. <laughs> but he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and there came one to him, and he fell at his feet. <laughs> I believe this is in verse 17 and 18 of Revelation chapter 1. And he fell at his feet as though but dead. And that man put his hand on him, and he said, I am the first and the last. <laughs> I'm the beginning and the end. He says, I'm the one that was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. Amen. That is the kind of, that's the kind of message I need every day. <laughs> how am I going to love my enemies? Well, on my own, I can't do it. <laughs> how am I going to... Um, I mean, how, listen, how are you going to keep up with your daily Bible reading plan? How many of y'all started a Bible reading plan and you're so far behind? <laughs> I, saw, I saw something the other day. It said if I can read, uh, I think it was 28, 28 chapters a day, I can catch back up by the end of the year. <laughs> how many of y'all feel like that? But, with the, with, but if you remember that Jesus is alive and there to help you, you can ask him. You know, if I ran out of money today, um, so my dad's back there. I could, I could go ask my dad for something if he wasn't out of it. Because he's alive. If he's dead, I can't do that, can I? Do y'all get how simple that is? Well, if you need help in your marriage, if you need help with your anxiety, if you need help with your fear, your depression, your money, whatever it may be, there's one who's seated on the throne right now that you can talk to. He, said, he told John, I'm alive forevermore. Whatever happens to you, John, whether they kill you out here, whether they let you go to minister again, I'm still alive forevermore. Isn't that good? And so, so Timothy, who's scared, who's alone, who's discouraged, he says, I want you to remember, call to mind what you already know, that Jesus is alive. Here's the second thing. If Jesus is alive, then you are just as if you never sinned before the Father. Y'all understand that? If Jesus is alive today, that means that your sins have been remitted. You're justified. You're just as if, for God's people, it is just as if they have never sinned. 
I love that in the book of Romans, chapter, uh, chapter 4, the last verse, verse 25, it's speaking of Jesus, it says that Jesus was delivered. He was delivered to the cross to be punished by the Romans, to be crucified, and then to have the, the wrath of God poured out on him on a cross. He says he was delivered because you were an offender, because you were a sinner, because you had done wrong, because you were guilty before God. But three days later, it says he was raised again for our justifications. He went because you were a sinner but he came out of the grave because you are no longer a sinner in the eyes of God I want you to remember this today if you remember nothing else when you right now right now you are just as sinless before the eyes of God as you ever have been or you ever will be think about that we want to live by his rules we want to experience the blessings of life right but if you don't God still loves you just as much as he'll ever love you because the love of God isn't based on your actions, isn't based on how you follow uh, is, the rules, isn't based on how you pray, isn't based on your reading plan, isn't based on how you're keeping up with, with other um, you know, levels of, of morality that others will set for you. The love of God is based on what Jesus did for you. Do y'all see that? Jesus loves you as much as he'll ever love you today. That brings me comfort, doesn't it? I'll look at other people and I'll think, they got it together and I need to get it together. But you know, God got it together for me, so I don't have to get it together before Him. I love that. I love that. He was raised again, not that one day I could be justified, not that one day I might be justified. When Christ came out of the grave, it was because I was justified. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited, y'all. I'm excited about that. Today, you are sinless before God. And if you've made a wreck out of your life, if Jesus loved you, you're still sinless before God. Get it together now. <laughs> Ask him to help you. He's alive and can do it for you. And so Paul says, wherein? Because of this gospel, this message of the free grace of God, this message of the justifying grace of God, of the victorious grace of God, he says, wherein I suffer trouble. That's the same thing in verse 3 where he was telling uh, Timothy, you need to endure hardness as a good soldier. Same word here we're saying, I'm suffering trouble. I'm undergoing some hardships, Timothy. He says, I'm suffering trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. <laughs> you know, maybe Timothy was excited like I was till he got to verse 9. <laughs> and, then he, and then Paul brings it back home. He says, I am in shackles today. I am suffering as if I am a criminal because of the gospel which I preach. And I want to tell y'all that treating the good as bad and the bad as good isn't something new. It's, it's the way of the method that the fallen world operates. We see it every day, don't we? Things that are bad, people call good. Things that are good, people call bad. Paul would tell Timothy in chapter 3 and verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. You want to know what's it going to be like? Well, I believe we're living in the last days. Now, I don't know. I'm not saying that's when uh, Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I believe we've been living in the last days. <laughs> um, he says, this also know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men, hey, does this not explain, does this not describe the world in which we live? For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. That means that, that they have no self-control. <laughs> Fierce. Listen to this one. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. He says that they are despisers. One of the things that he lists there, they're despisers. They hate those people that do good, that try to do good. That's what Paul is experiencing now. See, see for 2,000 years, people have been acting like this. But you can back up to Isaiah again in the woes of, of Isaiah chapter 5, and he'll say, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. <laughs> and he would go on in the next verse there to say, uh, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. Doesn't that describe the world in which we're living? And we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be shocked by that. That describes the world in which Paul was living. That describes the world in which Isaiah was living. Since man disobeyed God, We've been in a messed up world. Cain did what he thought was right in his own eyes. But God didn't accept it. And so what did he do? He said, well, you're good, brother. No, he took a rock and killed him. From the, from the beginning of creation, since the fall of man, I should say, people have been despising people that want to live a, a peaceful, godly life. And Paul's saying, I am suffering under the weight of that today. But listen, listen to this. Here's the second thing. But he says this. Even though I'm shackled, I'm in bonds, I'm in prison. He says, but the word of God is not bound. <laughs> he says, they're trying to hold me back. And it's not so much that they're trying to hold Paul back. They're trying to hold the message behind Paul back. They don't hate you. <laughs> they hate the God that you're standing for, right? Right? It, they don't so much care that we gather here on Sunday morning, people that hate the church. They hate the God that we're standing for. It's not, there's an attack on the family in our society today. It's not that people hate the family. The family is a picture of what God created in the garden, and they hate God. Okay? So they want to shut the message down. But if you remember what Brother Luke Hager preached a few weeks ago in our communion service... <laughs> Every time they've tried to shut the word of God down, it just explodes onto the scene. He says the word of God is not limited. The word of God, you try to stop the gospel and the gospel will continue to move on. I love this quote. It says the gospel of Jesus Christ always, always, always rises up and outlives its pallbearers. Everyone that's tried to carry the gospel to the grave and shut it down and shut it up, the gospel always rises up to outlive them. <laughs> and, and, if, and if people are trying to silence it today, guess what? The gospel is going to rise up one day and outlive all of them. The gospel is going to be here because the gospel is what feeds the church, right? And the church is going to be here a world without end. Amen. Christ said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the forces of Satan and all his demons, will never overtake or prevail against the church. A church without the gospel is a weak church, isn't it? <laughs> what if I had to come up here and give you all a TED Talk, 18 minutes every Sunday, about what I'd learned on YouTube last week? How many times would you all be here? <laughs> No, if you can come preach the gospel, that motivates people. That's the motivation that, that Paul was giving to Timothy. Remember that Jesus was raised from the dead according to my gospel. The gospel. 
So he says the gospel is not bound. The gospel is not shackled. The gospel is not held back. I love, I love, we could go look at, at some of the examples. I love in, in Acts chapter 8, Paul himself, the man that's writing this, was making havoc on the churches, and they were scattered. <laughs> he had scattered the believers, and what did the believers do? He was going to shut them down, and they scattered and preached the gospel. <laughs> So the gospel goes out to all the world because they were, because this man that isn't God, I mean, he's got to have a sense of humor, doesn't he? This man that's writing this is trying to shut up the people that are listening to it. <laughs> and he explodes onto the scene. He says, I would have you know that the things that have happened unto me, this is in Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to, this is the JNIV, the Josh non-inspired version. He says, listen, they've, they've bound me but it's worked out that the gospel has been preached to even those in Caesar's household and others are more bold to speak the word now that they see me speaking it in chains. <laughs> in, in Philippi, they tried to lock him up. They did lock him up. They said, we're going to shut this guy up. He ends up converting the jailer and his family. <laughs> Try to shut down the word of God. And it wasn't because Paul was awesome or I'm awesome or any, any brother that's ever tried to preach is awesome. It's because behind the gospel is a God that will see to it that the gospel gets out. Y'all see that? He says, wherefore, the, the word of God is not bound. Therefore, let's close with verse 10. Therefore, because of this, <laughs> listen, Timothy. He says, Timothy, you need to understand that life's bigger than you. <laughs> And whatever happens to you, God's still got a plan. God's still, uh, God's still unveiling his word. The kingdom of God is still coming. There are still people being born again. There are still people hearing the gospel. There are still people following Jesus. He says, therefore, because of this, I endure all things for the elect's sakes. That is, on behalf of those who were chosen by God, that they may also obtain, that they're going to gain something. That's the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's saying here that I am enduring. I want, I want to read you some of the, the definition of that. He says, I'm remaining. I'm abiding. I am not going to recede or, or flee away. That's the kind of attitude we need to have, isn't it? I'm going to persevere under misfortunes and trials. I'm going to bear bravely and calmly any kind of ill treatments that may come my way. So what is this verse teaching? Here we have Paul. Listen to this. Now, Paul is the one who is enduring tribulation so that the ones that were elect or chosen by God may be saved. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? I think to understand this, we're going to look at, we're going to look at, at eternal glory and the word with for just a moment eternal glory is you know eternal means without end it's never going to cease it's everlasting and glory is the condition in which God's elect will receive at his second coming you may remember in the book of Romans chapter 8 we looked at this last week we looked at eternal salvation we asked the question of can you lose it well, you didn't gain it for yourself, and you can't lose it for yourself. It was all in the covenant of grace. This is Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. 
And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. If you remember from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 last week, we talked about his second coming. We will come back and those that are dead will come out of the grave and those who are alive will be caught up in the air with him. And we will, we will finally experience this glorification that's spoken of in Romans chapter 8. We'll be rendered excellent. We will enter into our eternal reward. We will enter into heaven to be with him in a place where the book of Revelation talks about there is no tears, there is no death. It's just going to be awesome. Y'all get that, right? That's, that's, that's eter- that's, that is glory. Um, in John chapter 10, which we read last week, verse 27 The Lord Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So here we have Jesus saying that I give to my sheep eternal life. I believe if you can take John chapter 10 and Romans chapter 8, the eternal life that's given and the glorification that's coming, you add those together, you're going to get eternal glory. Forever you will be in a state of of glory, of bliss, of blessedness. Do y'all see that? And and, and that's, that's that's what Paul would say to Titus, in hope of eternal life. That is eternal glory. That God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's what we're looking for, this eternal salvation. And it's completely reliant on the work of God. We talked about this last week. If you didn't, if you didn't hear it, go back and, and listen to it. See, it was Christ. In the book of Hebrews, you can read about this. It was Christ that endured the shame and went to the cross himself. It wasn't Paul that endured any of that. But yet, here we see that Paul is enduring this hardship. He's, he's in chains. He is suffering. He's, he's, he would, I think I mentioned this earlier. He said, all that were in Asia have forsaken me. His friends have turned on him. This isn't, you know, his first imprisonment wasn't good, but his second one was a lot worse, and now he's in it. He says, but yet I'm enduring all these things for the elect's sake. Here's what I want to say. The elect will not miss out on eternal glory. Do you all understand that? Those who were chosen by God before the foundation of the world will, without a shadow of a doubt, end up in eternal glory. But here's the key word there. It says, he says that I'm enduring all these things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain or receive or enjoy the deliverance, the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with that eternal glory. That is something in addition to, right? If I say, I'm coming to your house with McNeil, well, he's coming in addition to me, right? Y'all understand? That's easy to understand, isn't it? Well, this isn't. Paul's not enduring all these things for the elect's sake so that when they die, one day they may go to heaven. He's enduring all things for the elect's sake so that they may obtain the gospel salvation that he's trying to teach unto Timothy right then and right there. The same thing that he told Timothy to remember is the reason that he's enduring so that others may remember that. When when the Apostle Peter 
in Acts chapter 2 said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. He wasn't saying, get yourself together so that one day you can be in heaven. He was saying, save yourself from this world system that calls good bad and bad good, that tries to bring you down and make you afraid and make you scared and make you sad and make you depressed and make you angry. <laughs> he says, and, and listen to what he is telling Timothy, and, and, and by virtue, he's telling us as well, is it important? Yes, Paul says it's so important. Paul could have given up. Paul knew. If Paul would have, if he'd have said, you know what, this whole Jesus thing, I got that whole thing wrong on the road to Damascus. I'm going back to persecuting the church. They would have let him out that day and said, go about it. And Paul knew that even if he would have done that, even if he would have done that, every one of God's children would still be in heaven with him one day. But he says, no, I'm not recounting. I'm not giving in. I'm not going to retreat. I'm going to endure all these things so that God's elect may obtain the gospel salvation that is available to those that will one day experience the ultimates. What is gospel salvation? I believe it's a little taste of that eternal glory that you're going to get one day. <laughs> he told Timothy, and I can't remember exactly what it was. He said, Timothy, I want you to lay hold on eternal life. What does it mean to lay hold on eternal life? It's kind of to experience a little glimpse. Have you ever been in a meeting, in a church meeting? You ever been singing hymns or hearing somebody preach or whatever it may be? Maybe it wasn't in a church. I don't know where it was. You've been in a spiritual, I've been in spiritual conversations with people where for just a little bit, I'm not worried about anything in this world. And I'm at peace and I feel joy. And, I, and I, can, I can see that Jesus was enough for me. And I can see that Jesus, I can, I, can, I can just put my future into his hands. I'm at rest. That is what gospel salvation is all about. And so Paul is saying here that I'm going to endure shame. I'm going to endure imprisonment. I'm going to endure the beatings. I'm going to endure the shipwrecks. I'm going to endure the fasting. That means that he was... Paul wasn't fasting for religious reasons. You can go read all these in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He was just, he didn't have any food. He says, I'm going to endure all that so that maybe somebody else can experience what I've been blessed to experience. And so mom and dad, why carry on? Why keep bringing your children to church? Why keep uh, trying to teach them the Bible? Why keep trying to pray with them so that maybe one day they'll experience that salvation that comes with the eternal glory, right? Maybe you're not experiencing today. Why should I persevere? Why should I carry on? Why should I, why, why, why should I strive or endure or war or labor? <laughs> because if you ever get to experience that glimpse of what it is that you'll experience one day, it'll all, it'll all be worth it for you, won't it? Have y'all experienced it? Some of y'all have. <laughs> have you experienced it today? I hope you have. We were singing... I could just feel the peace of God. And it is so important that whatever comes your way, child of God, endure it. Because not, you know, there's another place that Paul told Timothy. I, I love the letters from Paul to Timothy. He says about the doctrines of God, he says, continue in them. For in doing this, they shall both save yourself and them that hear you. <laughs> If you endure, if you don't give in, if you persevere, then not only are you going to save yourself, but it's just, it's just, I've been around people that are doing that, and I feel better around them. <laughs> don't y'all? You're going to save those that hear you. Let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for, for men like the Apostle Paul, who went through so much that we could enjoy um, the, 
we could enjoy it today, the gospel message today. And we pray that, God, you'd raise up more men who would be faithful to preach it, who would have been faithful to endure whatever it is that we have to endure to preach it. We pray, God, you'd do it. We know the fields are white unto harvest, and we pray you'd send in laborers among us. We pray that as moms and dads and grandmothers and grandfathers, uh, just, just as church members, that we would endure whatever it is that's in our way that we could, not only that we could experience the gospel salvation that is offered to us, but that others could as well. Lord, we thank you for this nation. And just like I said about the Apostle Paul, we thank you for the men and women who have sacrificed so that we could be free today. We, we praise you that, that we live in this nation. And God, our nation uh, needs your help each and every day. And we pray that you would have mercy upon us, forgive us, and heal our land. Open up doors of opportunity for us to preach the gospel of the finished work of Jesus Christ so that others could see that not only are they saved for heaven, but they are saved for heaven today, that they are justified today, that there's nothing that we have to do to, to pay off our sin debt, that that was paid in full at the cross of Jesus Christ and the freedom that that brings to our hearts and to our minds. We want to share that with others who may experience that gospel freedom. So we ask, Lord, that you would be the one who opens up doors of opportunity for us, that the gospel may have free course. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. This time we'll sing a hymn, give an opportunity. If you'd like to unite with this church, um, you can come forward and let that request be known at this time. Um, we'll stand and sing number one.